It's a joy to be here and uh, be invited again to share here in the pulpit and this church. It's just uh, always a pleasure for Becky and I to come, not just to see the grandkids, but to see Steve and Heather and uh, to be with the church when we can. Many times we come down and we have to get back because we have commitments there on Sunday to preach somewhere or uh, work there. I'm the director of missions there for an association of about 130 churches, and so I'm usually preaching on Sunday, but those Sundays that I can't, and Steve says, can you preach for me? I'll drive six hours and come down and be with you guys and be here to share God's Word. So thank you for this opportunity to do that. You have your Bibles with you. I want to tell you a story. Um, you can check me out later, but I'm going to tell the story. I love, uh, I love stories, and I think kids especially remember stories, don't they? You ask somebody what they remember about the sermon you preached last Sunday, I can't even remember what I preached last Sunday, but if you ask somebody what they remember about your sermon last Sunday, it's usually the illustrations. If you told a story or had a good illustration, that stays with them. So if you're going to preach, if you're going to, some of you may be preaching later on or sometime, uh, if you remember this, just change your illustrations, you can preach the same sermon, okay? There is a story at the end of the Gospel of John. And when you look at that story, you wonder, why did John put this in the gospel where he did? John's gospel, of course, is different from the other three. It's called, uh, they're called the synoptics, and this is a different gospel. It's, it's not chronological, necessarily, although it is, follows the life of Jesus. John is thematic. He has a purpose for every single word And everything that's in this gospel reaches the point that he's trying to make in chapter 20, actually. So when you get to the end of chapter 20, you think it's over. You've had the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. You've had Jesus' commands to his disciples to go as the Father has sent me, so send I you. That's John's 2021. That's his version of the Great Commission. And then he says, I've written these things that you might believe. Well, it's over. But there's another story, and it goes like this. There were seven of Jesus' disciples hanging around near the Sea of Galilee, Tiberias. And there were seven of them, and Peter said to them, You know what? I'm going to go fishing. And the others said, Well, we'll go with you. So they get in a boat, and they get out there, and they fish all night long. And getting close to the daylight, in the break of day, about sunrise, you couldn't see real well, but there was on the horizon there, on the shore, a man. They were about 100 yards off from the shore, and so close enough that the man could yell out to them and said, Hey guys, do you have any fish? And the disciples said, No, we haven't caught a thing. He says, Put the net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll catch some. And so they do it. They take their net, pull it up from one side, and they cast it out over on the other side of the boat, the right-hand side of the boat. And fish begin to fill the net, and they begin to tug at it so much so that it almost was sinking the boat. And as they were wrestling with the net, the disciple that they describe as the disciple Jesus loved said to Simon Peter, You know, 
That's Jesus. That's the Lord. Simon Peter got so excited when he heard that it was Jesus that he, of course, he'd stripped down to work. And so he'd taken his outer garment off. He put the garment on and he just jumps overboard because he wants to get to see Jesus. So excited. It's the Lord. The Lord had died. He'd been buried. And this is the third time he'd appeared to them. And he couldn't wait to get to see Jesus. The others come along in the boat, dragging the fish with them. And when they get to the shore, Jesus has prepared breakfast. There's fish and bread on a charcoal fire. And as they come up, he says, where are the fish that you brought, that you caught? So Simon Peter runs back to the boat, and he gets the fish, and there are 153 fish, big fish, that is. And they bring the fish, and they have breakfast together. After they finish breakfast, Jesus looks at Simon Peter. And he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Simon Peter responded immediately, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said, Simon, feed my sheep. A second time, he said the same thing to Simon. Simon, do you love me more than these? Do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then take care of my lambs. And a third time, he said to Simon Peter, do you love me? And Simon Peter grieved that time in his heart. Said, Lord, you know all things. And you know that I love you. And again, Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. And then a little later, after breakfast and after Jesus had said that, they were walking off and Jesus looks at Simon Peter. And he said, Simon, follow me. When you were young, you used to decide where you would go and what you would do. And when you get old... Someone else is going to take you and bind you and take you places you don't want to go. And he was using this as, a, as an illustration or to tell Simon Peter what kind of death he would die as he served Christ. He said, Simon, follow me. Simon Peter then, after he heard about this, of what kind of death he was going to die, he happened to see over near standing by the disciple whom Jesus loved. That same disciple that they refer to that way in the Gospel of John. The one who was leaning next to Jesus, probably John the, John the Apostle, but we're not sure. And John, he's the one who asked Jesus if, uh, who was going to betray him at the, at the supper. He said, Lord, what about him? Simon says, Lord, what about him? If this is the way I'm going to die, what about this one? And Jesus said, what about him, Simon? If I choose that he should stay and remain alive until I return, what's that to you? Simon, follow me. Now I'm going to stop the story there because that's the story. There's a few more things in the gospel there that he wraps up the gospel and tells us about all the books that could have been written to hold the words of Jesus. 
But what does that story tell you about Jesus and about the disciples? And why do you think John put that at the end of the gospel? Why was it important to tell this story about mainly Simon Peter, wasn't it? But it was about all the disciples. And it was something they would carry with them forever. And the church would continue to remember this. And we would read it today. And I love to ask this question, especially to the kids. What does that story in the Bible tell you about God? About Jesus? What does it tell you about us? And about our lives? If you could, for just a moment with me, think about the disciples and what they were facing. Jesus had given them the Great Commission. John's version was, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. You remember Luke's version? What Luke recorded? And Matthew? And Mark? Well, Matthew, for instance, what did he say in the Great Commission? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all the things which I've given you and commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Mark's gospel was a little different. He said, go and preach the gospel to every creature. Now they had this great task, this great mission out there. Look at what we've got to do. This band of fishermen and a tax collector and a rebel rouser, a zealot. This unlikely group was to take this message of Jesus, this gospel, make disciples all over the world. Luke in Acts 1 says, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Do you think it was crossing their mind, how in the world are we going to do that? Do you think they may have thought, I know I would have, what does he think we can do? And he's going to leave us. He's come back here. So as he comes back a couple of times, and this time they go to a breakfast meeting with him. And he's talking to them. And they just had this experience of fishing all night and not catching anything. There's a lesson here. I call it the lesson of the empty nets. You see, when they said, Peter being the ringleader, I'm going to go fishing. We don't know what they meant. We don't know why they were thinking that. It could have been Peter was discouraged and he didn't know anything else to do except go fishing. He was a professional fisherman. He liked to fish. But they went fishing. Now what about this fishing business? That's what they did for a living. They knew where to catch fish. They knew how to catch fish. But they went all night long and didn't catch anything. So Jesus comes and says, Put the nets on the right-hand side of the boat. And when they do, they catch a haul of fish. They took that lesson with them. There isn't anything wrong with fishing. In fact, we need to fish. My fishing is with 130 churches working with an association. Your fishing may be in an office. Your fishing may be in a restaurant. Your fishing may be in a school classroom. Your fishing may be in a factory. Your fishing, where is your fishing? Remember this about fishing. The net will always come up empty 
unless you're listening to one who knows how you're supposed to fish. He knows how to fill the nets in our lives. The Gallup poll tells us it's almost 7 out of 10 people do not enjoy, really enjoy what they do in making a living. If you're a Walmart greeter, do you think you could be a Walmart greeter and enjoy it? Do you think you could? Here's how you can do it. If your fishing is a sacred calling of God, I think that one of the tragic misunderstandings that we have perpetrated on the church through the centuries is the separation between secular jobs and sacred jobs. Placing the laity, if you knew where the, the etymology of the word laity, you wouldn't use it. <laughs> it means the idiots, really, the uneducated. The laity in the Latin and the clergy up here. And we put a calling of God for some people here to be called of God into full-time Christian service. And everybody else is just, well, when you get a chance, do something good for Jesus. That's not what we have in the New Testament. When we look at God's calling, we look at a calling of what we just read earlier. Ephesians chapter 4. Therefore, walk worthy of the vocation to which you've been called. The calling of God on our lives isn't a calling necessarily to preach the gospel from a pulpit. But is a calling to be holy as he is holy. In 2 Timothy 1.9, he who has saved us has called us to a holy life. Not because we have done anything, but because of his own purposes and his grace. And 1 Peter 1.15 says, therefore be holy as the one who called you is holy. Jesus said in John 15, he says, you've not chosen me, but I've chosen you. I've called you to follow me. And in 1 Corinthians 10, 18, it says, whether therefore you eat, whether therefore you drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So every last one of us has a calling from God. Are you living out God's call in your life? Is the schoolroom you teach in, or the job that you work every day, or the time you have with your kids, is this a holy calling of God for you? It ought to be. It should be. The old Quakers divided the calling of God, and I think they got it right, into three callings of God from Scripture. Here's what we see about God's call, about where he wants us to fish. There's the high calling of God that everybody has. It's the calling of 1 Peter 2.9. He who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's the calling, the highest calling to come to Christ. Then there's the common callings. The callings of Matthew 28, 19, and 20. There's the callings to love one another as I have loved you. The one anothering in scripture. Everybody has that calling. Everybody has the highest calling. Every one of us are called to be disciples, to be called to be witnesses, to call to share our faith wherever we are, whenever and whatever and wherever. We are called to do those things, and we share them. But then there's also those unique callings, unique to each one of us. And that's the Ephesians 4 verses that we read just a moment ago. The vocation 
to which you have been called. What is your unique calling? Now, we didn't read that. It didn't show it earlier in Ephesians 4. But if you read on where it says the gifts of Christ, he talks about the functions of people within the body of Christ. The prophetic, the apostolic, the evangelist, the teaching, the preaching, the pastoring, all of that. What is your calling of God within the family, within the body of Christ? How has he called and uniquely gifted you to be a part of his body? So the fishing wasn't a negative in that they got in a boat. It wasn't negative that they fished all night. Jesus didn't reprimand them for going fishing. He simply said, let me show you how to fish. Let me show you where. Your nets will be filled. So there's a lesson here. There's a lesson here in that fishing is more than just being in a boat and having the nets. Your fishing is more than the paycheck you bring home every day. It is a place God has placed you to touch the lives of people every day. And you're there with a divine, sacred calling of God I pray you've discovered that that was the first lesson of the empty net there was another lesson that Simon individually had to learn you see Simon Peter had denied the Lord remember the story denied him three times in front of a little maid in front of some people standing around a fire as they were they were trying Jesus at Caiaphas' house and as he was standing there, they accused him of being a Galilean and a follower of Jesus. And he said, I don't know this man. And he cursed. And he said, I don't know him. So Simon was carrying all this guilt with him. And maybe that's why he was so excited to see Jesus. Maybe that's why he just left the boat with all the others and jumped overboard and swam to the shore. We're not sure. But I am sure of this. What he learned. When Jesus looked at him and said, Simon, do you love me more than these? Simon Peter, do you love me? Simon Peter, do you love me? What was Jesus trying to say to him when he asked him, do you love me? Peter responded, yes. And then what did he say? Then take care of my sheep. Tend my lambs. Feed my sheep. What is this? What's the connection here? Think about it this way. Simon Peter wanted to prove to Jesus that he really did love him. That's why he jumped out of the boat, I think. He wanted to get there. And when Jesus said, where's the fish? Who was it ran back to the boat and got the fish? It was Simon. And who probably counted them? Probably Simon Peter. And all of that He, with all of his heart, with all of his soul, saying, Jesus, please forgive me for denying you. Jesus says to Simon Peter, maybe it's this way. Simon, I know you love me. But if you love me, how do you take care of my sheep? This is all about relationships. You see, following Christ, becoming his disciple isn't about what we know. It's about who we know. It isn't about showing what we know and being faithful to 
Him by doing things in His name. It's relating to other people. What did Jesus say? By this will all men know that you're my disciples if you attend church every Sunday. If you memorize this many scripture verses. If you teach this many Sunday school classes. What did he say? If you have love one for another. And then it was so important to him. He said, this is a new commandment, guys. The old commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and your neighbors yourself. That's what came out of Scripture, Deuteronomy. But now he's saying, I want to give you a new commandment. The old one said, love your neighbor as yourself. The new one says, love each other as I have loved you. I'm going to give you a new standard. And the new standard is me. If you love me, how do you relate to other people? If you love me, what about the relationships in your life, especially with my sheep? How do you treat them? How do you work with them? Fellowship. Fellowship. That's the word koinonia. It's the connection between people. It's our fellowship, as 1 John 1 says, with the Father and with each other. If we have fellowship with God the Father. If we have fellowship with each other. And that's why John would say in 1 John 4, If a man says, I love God, and hates his neighbor or his brother, he is a liar. Because how can you love God that you haven't even seen, and you hate your neighbor who is made in the image of God? If you have hate and bitterness in your heart towards someone this morning today right here, then you better look at how you're loving God. Because loving God isn't just standing up in a worship service and singing, and singing that song. How about how I love Jesus? It isn't about quoting scriptures. It isn't about memorizing scriptures. It's about relationships. And it starts with a relationship with God. And it moves into the relationships with other people. Are there broken relationships? Jesus said, do you love me, Simon? Yes. Then tend my sheep. Love what I love. Huh. That's different in it. Love what I love. If you love me, then love what I love. And if you love what I love, you take care of them as a shepherd would take care of his sheep. So he learned the lesson of fishing, do you think? I think he learned the lesson about fellowship. But there was one more very important lesson. Of the empty net. You see, Simon got a very special gift from Jesus that morning. A gift that not many of us get. A gift that was given to him because he was Jesus and he could tell him. He told him how he was going to die. He told him how he was going to suffer and be crucified. And that actually did happen. Actually, he was crucified upside down because he felt unworthy to be crucified like his Lord. And he was, as, as, as the tradition tells us, Simon Peter did give his life in serving Christ. This is the lesson about following that's hard for us to learn sometimes because following follows along our faithfulness to him and our love for him 
in our fellowship with him. Simon Peter was told how he was going to die. And how did he react? What did he say? Like a lot of us. Well, Lord, if that's going to happen to me, what about that guy? <laughs> what about him? I don't mind this, but why me, Lord? <laughs> Isn't that what we say? You know, when something doesn't go right, something goes wrong, that way we say, Becky, why us? Why me? Why did that happen to me, Lord? And Jesus said to Simon Peter, so what about him? That's none of your business. You follow me. Following Jesus is about being ready to count the cost and pay the price. Following Jesus means being like him. Jesus says, as my Father has sent me, so send I you. How did the Father send Jesus? He sent him into a world. He took him out of the comfort and the glory of a, of a place with the Father in glory and majesty. If you could just imagine what it must have been like to be in the presence of God and for God the Father to say to his Son, I want you to go down there. Over there, wherever that is. Go there to those humans that we created. And you're going to allow them to kill you. Put you on a cross. And you're going to shed your blood. And I'm going to turn my back on you as you hang on that cross. But in doing that, I'm going to bring those that I know. Those that I call. To come to me. Now listen. He said. As the father sent me. I'm sending you. I'm sending you as a missionary. Our churches. Are filled with people. That call themselves members. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but probably everybody here or most everybody, if I said, are you members of the church, would raise your hands, wouldn't you? Yes, I'm a member. If you're not a member of this church, you'd be a member of another church, maybe. Okay? But if I ask you, how many of you are missionaries? How many would raise your hand? You are a missionary. God has called you, equipped you, and has sent you to the place where you're fishing to be a missionary. And to follow him means to follow him into the mission field. Wherever that is and whatever it looks like. Our mission field right now for Becky and I is Laurel Park. Our community where we live. The last three or four years God has just been breaking my heart, our heart together to be on mission in our community. And we've get, we're getting together on Sunday nights with Two other couples, three and sometimes four, who feel the same way. God has called us to be missionaries in our community. On mission. To love our neighbors. And to do things that will serve them. And show them the glory of God. And they will come to know Jesus as their Savior. And that in some of those other homes, there will be groups of meeting there. Some people call us house church. I call it. A missional community group. A group of missionaries. 
living on mission together. Now there's some folks who come and join us from outside of our community and they join with us and we have a good time. But guess what? We want to send them back out to their community. And God has just revealed to me recently that I've talked about missions. I've been a missionary overseas. But I want to tell you something. I am a missionary in Laurel Park. More than I've ever been before in my life. I am on mission there. And that's what Jesus is trying to say to Simon Peter here. You follow me wherever I lead you. Wherever I put you. Whatever person I bring along in your path, I want you to be there as a missionary for me. And I'm not knocking being a member of a church. Don't get me wrong. But we don't need more members. We need more missionaries. We've got plenty of members. We need missionaries. You see, members, uh, like clubs, they, they, they have certain rights, don't they? They talk about counting nickels and noses. How many are there and how much money do we have? But missionaries think in different terms. We don't think about that. We think about where God is sending us, where we're going, what we're out to do, what we're doing to serve others, and how we're sharing the gospel. So there's a difference. I hope that you'll be a missionary, not just a member. And it's good to be members, but it's better to be on mission and be a missionary. So what's the lesson you learn that you take away from the empty nets. What do you take home with you today? Perhaps it is about where you're fishing. Maybe your nets have been coming up empty lately. And you need to listen to Jesus and let him show you how to be the missionary where he's placed you to be on mission and the job that he's given you. To learn to fish and throw the net on the right-hand side of the boat as he directs. Or perhaps we're here this morning and our fellowship with each other is damaged or broken. Or someone outside in our family, someone we know, and there's fellowship, there's brokenness in relationships. I think one of the powerful messages of the gospel is that it's about mending broken relationships and what the gospel can do this morning what Jesus in his grace and his love can do for us this morning is to bring us into a mending a healing of those broken relationships and we really know what fellowship is all about or perhaps we tried to follow but our eyes have been caught off to other things and other people And very innocently, we've worried about others and thought about what they think or say or what's happening to them as opposed to keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. What's the message for you from the empty nets? Father, we thank you this morning. If you allowed us to be here, to hear your word, and Lord, we just trust you today that you would take this word and speak to us in our point of need that we have. Thank you, Father, for what Simon Peter experienced. Thank you, Lord, that he did decide to follow you. Thank you that he did, even though he denied you, he did restore that relationship. 
He became the rock that Jesus told him he would be. He proclaimed the gospel. He shared the good news. He became the missionary that God designed him to be. And now today, it's us hearing the question, do you love me? Do you love me? Will you follow me? Will you throw the net on the right-hand side of the boat? Father, help us to respond as you speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.